0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 294th edition of Assembly Call Radio. And it is our 950th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 8th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment.
1: And Indiana is a national champion. When it comes down, Indiana
2: will be champion.
1: Smart
2: takes a shot. Oh!
0: This week's banner moment occurred earlier today when four-star class of 2024 guard Jaden Mustaf arrived in Bloomington for his official visit. Mustaf is a 6'4 combo guard who is ranked number 25 nationally by 24-7 and is the number three combo guard in his class. More on that in a second. Mustaf has good size and is a solid outside shooter, but where he really shines is using his handle, his change of direction, and his burst to get into the lane. In fact, more than 50% of his points came at the rim. And if that sounds like the kind of guard Indiana needs to get more of to compete at the highest levels of college basketball, well, it should, because the Hoosiers do. Which is why the banner moment isn't just about Mustaf's visit, but also the fact that the other two combo guards in the class of uh, 2024, who are ranked higher than Mustaf, are also primary Indiana targets. And they have already taken an official visit or are planning to. Dylan Harper is the number two overall player in the class of 2024 by 24-7, and he's the number one guard. He's already taken – actually, he was just moved to number one earlier today uh, since I wrote this. So he's the number one overall player. He's already taken an Indiana official visit, and the Hoosiers seem to be right in the thick of his recruitment along with Duke and Rutgers. Boogie Fland is the number 12 overall prospect and number two guard. He has an Indiana official visit scheduled for later in June from the 13th through the 15th. In all, that's the top three combo guards in the class of 2024, all with legitimate Indiana interest, and surely intrigued by playing the role that has Jalen hood Shafino on the verge of being a lottery pick in this year's NBA draft. Now, offers are one thing, official visits are quite another, showing shared interest from both sides. Yet, as we know, even a string of high-profile official visits guarantees nothing— all that matters is Indiana actually closing one of these guard recruits to help anchor its class of 2024 and step into the minutes that will be vacated by Xavier Johnson's departure. But as we've learned about recruiting, the first step is to put the visit numbers in your favor, get enough official visits from high profile recruits, and you're eventually going to land your fair share of commitments, especially with the proven closing power of Mike Woodson. That's what Indiana has laid the groundwork for in the classes of 2024 in 2025. Obviously, we have to wait and see what the final class looks like. And it's possible Indiana whiffs on a bunch of its top targets and doesn't end up hitting the recruiting home run we're all hoping for. But the reason why I and many other IU fans are legitimately excited about the way Indiana's 2024 and 2025 hotboards are shaping up is that for the first time in a while, it feels like the numbers are actually in IU's favor when it comes to getting official visits from high-level prospects. And that's a great spot to be in on June 8th as 2024 prospects start getting closer to decision time. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Coach is off, but my two original co-hosts on the Assembly Call back here with me for this week's edition. First, he is the Ellie De La Cruz of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and a Bracketologist who still towers over all other Bracketologists like he's Chris Dapp's Porzingis. The best of you sports coaching, you know
1: that we got them when it comes to analytic trends you know he can spot them for first class bracketology if you want the top you got to go bottom if you want the top you got to go bottom if you want the top you got to go bottom
0: right. andy and by the way Ryan you do remember that that drop from uh, from long ago it was like from the first couple years of the show I need to see if I can go find it. That guy on the radio was like, and he's the bracketologist yeah, I think it was like N- who yeah, looms over all like others. Like he, yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't remember the Porzingis, part. I remember that drop. But I I'll find the Por- it. The Porzingis part yeah. had gone out of my mind.
0: I'll find. It. We probably need to update people because that's a very old reference.
2: That's a Very. Old <laughs> I reference. just
3: thought when you said that without playing the because uh, you used to play the drop of it as the intro, and I was like, boy. In the absence of that, I think. Uh only longtime listeners, apparently of which we cannot count Ryan. Almost. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. And uh I know, had would, completely would forgotten. Anyway. Yeah, no. If Ryan doesn't get that, then we're in trouble. I'll find yeah. it. Andy, what is your I bottom was here. line? You <laughs> you were what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball?
3: Uh, you know, really just all the uh recruiting buzz starting to to creep up a bit, but you know, the most exciting thing for the upcoming season is that, uh, everybody's on campus. If you put out some videos, no truth or rumor, that's where coaches right now is just watching the, uh, the social media <laughs> videos on loop, getting excited about that as he is want to do. Uh, but, uh, no, exciting to, to see everybody getting together and, uh, the team, the team be there and, uh, you know, hope springs eternal at this point of the season. And so, uh, excited to have the, the newcomers on campus, got a lot of them this year to try to integrate into the team, but, Uh, It seems like everybody's off to a good start. Cliff Marshall's got them going. People are already uh, asking questions about uh, how much they're doing in the free throws. I think even Trace managed to get one in on uh, where are they shooting free throws. Uh, But I mean, you you can't read one of those without somebody being like, hey, let's ease up on this. This is going to (laughs) this happens and then people can't shoot. So, you know, I mean, everything is as it should be in the IU basketball offseason. That's right. Bottoms looms
0: over other bracketologists the way 7'3", three Stapps Borzingus looms over point guards. There it is. So I guess I forgot a few details, too. That would probably be helpful. But yeah, we had a whole <laughs> bunch of these. Here's one from Sam Vecini. It's not Joe Linardi. It's not Jerry Palm. It is Andy Bottoms from over at Assembly Call. I've always appreciated the disdain with which he says the name Jerry Palm in uh, in this. <laughs>
2: it's not Joe Linardi. It's not,
0: not Jerry, Jerry Palm. Palm.
2: It is Andy Bottoms from over at Assembly Call.
0: I think they work together at CBS then, too. Um, Anyway, moving on here. Uh, Also live with us, live from San Diego, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know. Uh, He's a senior writer for the big lead. He's the president emeritus of the Tony Gwynn fan club. Uh, And he's a man who actually turned down overtures from Skip Bayless to replace Shannon Sharp because, quote, the takes aren't hot enough for me. Uh, He is Ryan Phillips finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted never lifted a finger let me quickly add
2: just one thing about this dude just
1: interrupted his own jingle
2: ryan what would you like to rant about this week uh i was gonna go coach and just rant about the social media videos but andy kind of touched on that already uh i how about gabe cups pushing iron man that kid uh just throwing up, I forget how many bench press reps. I think it was, was it 17? 18, I think. 18? Yeah. Uh, already, you know, came on campus ready to go. I think that was, that was pretty awesome to see. But I mean, really not a whole lot to to go off of this week. It was kind of a slow week. I mean, you get the, the you guys have already touched on the recruiting stuff. Some, some positive momentum there. Just have to close. And
0: uh, we got, finally got everybody on campus working out. Yep. That's about it. <laughs> okay. Um, Well, here's what we have in store this week. We'll go through some Hoosier headlines. Got a few nice headlines uh, here late in the day. So we'll cover those, including a new game on the schedule. Uh, And then we're going to talk about Malik Renew in segment two, look back at his freshman season, look ahead to what we can expect from him as a sophomore. And then we'll dive into the mailbag because we got a bunch of good questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Yes, this edition of Assembly Car Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, including Crimson Cast, which posted a new episode today. It's been, been a while for them, but they posted a new episode talking about uh, the Big Ten football scheduling, so we recommend that. But all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage college apparel, and specifically IU apparel, that you will find anywhere. And what's great about Homefield Apparel is they just, you know, this is not a company that rests on their laurels. Every seemingly every day, but certainly every week, they are coming out with new schools or they're doing brand refreshes of schools they already have, or they're introducing some kind of new product. So there's always something there, which is why it's a great idea to get on their email list, to get on their text alerts, because not only do you get notified when new stuff is out that you're probably interested in, but they also send you discount codes and ways to save as well. So no matter who you're shopping for, whether it's for yourself or just someone else in your life who you know, likes college sports or just likes, you know, shirts or hoodies or crew with cool designs, Home Field Apparel is the place to go. And when you do that, you're supporting an Indiana-based business that came up through the Kelly School of Business. There's just so many reasons to go and support Home Field Apparel. You don't necessarily need to mortgage your house like Coach has done and like Galen does because they're constantly buying stuff. Uh, but you do want to go there, get all the stuff that you like, get ready for summer, start looking ahead to winter. They've got something for everybody. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Wear one for the team. Okay, guys. Uh, let's go through some Hoosier headlines here. Real quick, You know, talking about the NBA draft. Uh, there, Ryan, when is the NBA draft? Do you know off the top of your head? A couple of weeks. I don't know the date off the top okay. of the head. I'm so
2: focused on the finals, I haven't even thought of anything else.
0: Yeah, so it's a a few weeks out. And tell me if you agree, but, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of positive momentum for Jalen especially and also for Trace since the Combine. Um, June 22nd, by the way. June 22nd. You know, Jalen had really started to fall in some of the mock drafts down into the late teens. I even saw a couple in the early 20s. And then since the combine, he's rocketed back up. I think ESPN had him going number nine to Utah. Um, You know, the Ringer had him up there. Sam Bassini had him up. I think the the lowest I saw him was 15, which is one spot outside the lottery. Um, But he's really gone up. And Trace, seeing a lot more first-round mocks for him. I saw a couple with him going to the Pacers at number 29. So, you know, got to wait and see what actually happens in the draft, but good momentum. And if you're Indiana and Jalen Huchofino becomes a lottery pick and Trace Jackson Davis gets picked in the first round, that would just be an incredible outcome and just add to the story that Coach Woodson and the assistant coaches are able to tell. So we'll continue to track that. um, But without any real big events between now and the draft, you know, some of this stuff is going to start to solidify. And everything I've seen, Ryan, has been really positive for Indiana's two draftable players. Have you seen anything else?
2: Yeah, it looks to be that way. And and individual workouts are going to help that a lot, too. I think the combine, I think the NBA guys put a little stock in the combine. It's not the NFL combine as far as putting stock into it, you know, Uh, because in the NFL, there's so many more players, draftable players that you really are looking at the numbers because you can't get all of them in for personal workouts. There's just too many guys. Um, Your first round pick, maybe your second round targets will come for visits. Other than that. You're just hoping who will fall with the NBA. You can work out everybody who's pretty much in the top 100 if you want, and they where they work them out in groups too. Uh, the combine I think is for measurements, really, and some athletic testing and you know health stuff, um, and that's really it. And so I, I do think the individual workouts are going to tell the tale for these two guys, especially because they're guys who, you know, the measurements aren't going to tell the story with either one of them. It's their ability. And, and what they can do on the court. And and some guys you draft on athletic potential and, and, and hope you can turn them into basketball players, or you have athletic potential and they're already pretty good and you're hoping that they can just take that to another level. These are guys who, I mean, while athletic, aren't ridiculously athletic. This is about what they can do on the floor, how savvy they are, what they can do in situations when they're playing against other people. All of that stuff is, is what's important for them. And so I... Yeah, I think that the individual workouts are going to tell the tale and the both of them, I think, have to go to the point where somebody falls in love with them because you're right. There is a wide variance on where they could go. You could see back of the first round for both. You could see early lottery for Jalen and, and you know, 27 for Jalen. I mean, for uh, Trace Jackson Davis, or you could see mid second round for Trace. It just depends if a team in that range falls in love with them and then manage to hang on to their pick and not trade it in those spots. So, it's a lot of moving parts uh, in the NBA draft that doesn't exist with things like the NFL draft, where you get trades. But you know, there are times of the NBA draft where teams will trade four times in the night. You know, or they'll draft the guy and trade him 15 minutes later. It's, yeah, don't it's go buy
0: your jersey right when
2: the yeah. Pick is announced. Wait until the end of the night, and then maybe, and maybe a couple, couple of days extra later, days. Yeah. and then
3: one week, and then yeah, yeah then. Just...
2: You know what? Just wait until training camp
3: to buy yeah. the jersey, but
2: um it's for Wembenyama you can you can buy that jersey now Spurs fans um yes
0: but by the way keep an eye on the Spurs my brother-in-law is a huge Spurs fan and and as I've heard on several podcasts there is a chance they may try to trade back up into the lottery to get one of the guards in the lottery like that a that is Wallace and, or a Anthony and, Black and Jalen yes. Chiffino could be in that mix yes. if they trade up for later in the in the lottery
2: that is correct. And that is something to watch for. They want a savvy guard to pair with Wembenyama, which makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and, and it's the kind of thing where if they don't get that, then next year, they're going to be in the lottery next year too. They're probably going to be in the top five next year again, because there's not, they don't really have anything around him. Uh, but And they'll, if they don't get a guard this year, they will next year. That'll be their target. They'll try and get the top point guard next year. So um yeah, I, I, I do. I agree that they could go, you know, Jalen could go as high as nine, but he also could go as low as 22 or something like that. You know, it's it's there's such a wide variance after that first eight to 10 guys who are definitely the top guys. Those guys, uh, the, the top eight to 10 always go in the first eight to 10 picks unless there's a scandal. You know, those guys that are in that top tier always go first in the NBA. It doesn't matter where they go you know it's that second tier is completely jumbled it's like the big 10 this year uh yeah. it could wind up being anywhere so um yeah i i think that they, it's trending well for them but um yeah I, I i don't know where they're gonna end up i don't think we have a good feel on it it's all guess it guess work at this
0: point it is but but as i said everything that you've that we've been able to see and observe from the people closest to this it's trending positive which is good uh, something else turning positive, Andy, is the schedule for next season, which I think we're all pretty pleased with how it is shaping up. Uh, we got a new announcement today. I think Rocco Miller had this first, that Indiana will play Kennesaw State again December 29th, which is very close to when we played them last year. Now, Kennesaw State was pretty good last year. I think Ken Palm, they were 130th. I know their coach was you know, in talks to potentially get a bigger job. I don't think he did. I think, I think he's still there. I think
3: he went to South Florida, I want to say.
0: Oh, did he really? Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. I think well, so. i
0: take that back then. Abdur Rahim. So what uh, do you know anything about Kennesaw State for next year? I assume they're not going to be as good as they were this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I would tend to assume not. I, I don't really know. I mean, they, by all accounts, should have beaten Xavier in the first round of the tournament uh, last year as well. But yeah, I'm, I feel like he ended up going to uh, USF, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So um, I think probably a different story if he's... It, it, certainly a different story if he's not there. And I think You're a lot of correct. times, you yep, know, when those did. teams uh you know gel that way you've also had some guys that were in that program for a while so i'm not sure what kind of roster turnover they have but um but certainly a game that even when you looked at the beginning of last year it turned out to be a lot better i think it ended up being a quad three game i want to say which nobody would have really even considered before not that those move the needle a great deal but uh decent game that a lot of people um you know i always look at that time of the calendar because that's uh, oftentimes when i can get to wilmington quite honestly because it's between the holidays and uh, people aren't there, so it might be a good opportunity for people to be able to uh, to go and see the Hoosiers during that run. And and just real quick to go back to what you were talking about with Jalen and, and Trace, I think the the good thing about IU, it obviously depends how it plays out, as you guys said. But you know, each of those guys, it's it's kind of two different stories that IU can tell to recruits in terms of ways that they were able to to help guys. One was a you know a one and done who you know there's there's development to a certain extent, but the, the other part of that is really just putting him in a position to showcase what he does well. And then with trace, it's the, the um, you know, look at where he was kind of thought of a couple of years ago and how he's been able to uh, through both his own work, certainly, but also the work of the staff and uh, what they were able to do kind of elevate his, his stock quite a bit. Um, so not, not only just great to be able to get guys uh, drafted and have your program talked about on, on draft night, but I think the, the, those two being different stories, uh, is another way that it could potentially help IU. Absolutely. Uh,
0: the other interesting note that came down this afternoon, uh, is about some rule changes that the NSA is going to institute for this season. Did you guys get a chance to see these at all? know just came down a few hours ago. i
3: read about the block charge one although it doesn't sound dramatically different than what it is today and i don't know what but i did not read about whatever else there would have
0: been yeah the other ones they're not huge the block charge one is the headliner uh and you're right andy it's not a dramatic change but i do think it is a meaningful one uh which is and i'm quoting from the release here under the new rule a defender will have to be in position to draw charge at the time an offensive player plants a foot to go airborne to attempt a field goal. If the defender arrives after the offensive player plants a foot to launch toward the basket, officials would be instructed to call a block when contact occurs between the two players. A secondary defender still would have to be outside the restricted area arc to legally draw a charge. So it's not going to dramatically increase it, but it does mean that there will be fewer charge calls. And essentially the change is before the player just had to go airborne first. Now, once that plant foot, and he's basically showing physically his intention to go up in the air, that's now kind of when, you know, when that starts, when the defender would have to be planted. So it'll just reduce some of the, uh some of the charge calls, you know, that happen on those kind of bang, bang plays when guys are, you know, going up to make a play. Personally, I think it's great. Obviously, we need to see it you know, be enforced, but I think it is a step in the right direction uh, for a rule that just college basketball seems to really struggle with. Um, so step in the right direction. It's not everything I would do, but I think it's a pretty good change. Ryan, your thoughts on the move? Officials are still going to screw it up. Well, um, sure.
2: <laughs> Until they make a... You're right. This is a small change. I get what they're trying to do here. They're trying to prevent the slide over, which has been happening even outside of the going airborne rule. Um, They're trying to give a little bit more time there um, to help the officials make the call. Essentially. It's less about the gameplay and more about the officials. Plus people get injured. I mean, you already leave your, you know, that's the big thing with the block charge that really, really bothers me is that, it's a collision at full speed on a basketball court. And you're incentivizing the defender to create that collision. Essentially, you could say, well, the offensive player plows into him. If you're stepping in solely to get in front of someone and block their path and not defend them, you don't deserve to be rewarded for that because you're not playing defense. I know Indiana's benefited from that from guys like Jordan Hulls and. Will she, he, and others throughout the years stepping in and taking charges and taking, control, taking advantage of somebody who's out of control. Well, guess what? Half the players on a basketball court at all times are out of control. They're running full speed while trying to keep control of a bouncing ball. By nature, you're not really that in control of anything. Do we want an up-tempo game? Do we want a fast game? Do we want to incentivize that? Or do we want everybody to have to slow down? So the block charge thing bothers me because I think the rule should be, you have to be attempting to play defense. Yes. And if a guy, if you're playing defense and you're in a stance and a guy plows into you, that's a charge. Or a guy pushes off or a guy, you know, bulldozes through you while you're in a stance. That seems like an offensive foul.
0: Like what Stepping Boo Booey front- did to Trey Galloway is an offensive foul. Because Trey is an was defending foul. him. Yes, 100%. That was an offensive
2: but he didn't I fall
3: even... down, so it didn't get called. <laughs>
0: yes,
2: <laughs> there we go. Trey, that's the, yeah.
3: that's the problem with the ones that you leave. I, I, I think this 100% or agree, Andy. Those, those kinds of collisions that you're talking about, I do think this is a step in the right direction. I think what it doesn't address is a lot of the like push off or alleged push offs that turn into blatant flopping that then different officials interpret different ways or do something about or don't do something about i think that's where it gets difficult i also think to ryan's point all kidding aside about officials are still going to mess it up It, it kind of gets into you're to a certain extent asking the official to judge the intent of the player when they're doing something when you know the first one where it's like well i didn't know if he was going up to shoot or that's why he was planning or whatever like yeah there's going to be some gray area there where you're asking guys who uh, you know, already have a difficult time in those situations. Again, it's better than not doing anything.
0: I, I um, agree.
2: No, so. you right. well, An improvement.
3: The reason I like it,
0: Andy, you're right. There is still going to be gray area. What I think this rule is going to do is that it's going to make it so that when there's doubt, the benefit of the doubt is going to go to the offensive yes. player more often. And it expands. It's the just going to make it easier. Yes.
2: In that window there, that's already there for the launching off. Now you're extending that. So now when they do launch, you know, it's definitely. Yeah. A, a charge but again the intent thing has to exist i mean it's you know if you're not playing defense you do not deserve to be rewarded for not playing defense for standing there and putting your hands over your crotch and waiting for somebody to run into you i mean it's like standing in front of a train and expecting to sue the 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 train company like you know it's you know what you're doing and you're I mean, no, it's just, it's stupid. It's a dumb rule that needs to change. And the problem is it's a momentum changing play too, because a lot of times it takes away a clear path to the basket or a basket in general. And, and probably
0: what would have been a really fun play to watch. Thank you. you.
2: Like (laughs) Like, it's, it just, yeah, it just gums up the works. If you push off, if you move your defender out of the way or you go straight through his chest, when he's trying to defend you, if you are not attempting to guard if you were exhibiting what I would call what baseball would call defensive indifference, you do not deserve to be rewarded. That's my, that, that's my stance on it. And that will always be my stance on it until the rest of the world comes around to my view.
0: Yeah. Our apologies to everybody in Wisconsin. I know this is going to be a rough day yeah. for you guys and we take away 50% day. of your defensive strategy, but just adjust and get over it. Um, all right. And then one last note here for Hoosier headlines. We talked a little bit about recruiting and obviously we're going to be following this as we move forward. Uh, let me just throw out some numbers to you guys. Tell me, Andy, tell me if you know what these numbers mean. And you may because you've looked at the run sheet, but just play dumb for the audience. Seven, two, six, three, eleven, seventy-nine, twelve, thirty-nine, thirty-one, 11, 79, 12, 39, 31, and 22.
3: What do those I don't know, Jared. Be? What could <laughs> those numbers be?
0: <laughs> okay, so those are the top 10 prospects at Inside the Hall is recruiting hotboard. Those are their rankings in the 24-7 composite. So the lowest-ranked player out of the top 10. And remember, hotboards, typically the way that recruiting hotboards are done, Inside the Hall updated theirs, Pigs updated theirs, is you know the people who are doing those try to gauge, okay, what's the level of mutual interest here? Who's the most likely guy that Indiana is really going hard after and that they have a chance at? So there may be a guy that Indiana loves, but if it doesn't seem like there's much of a chance, like with a lot of the news that Duke is involved, getting involved with Flory Badunga now, he will probably drop on some of these hot boards because it's a little bit less likely. But a guy like Liam McNeely from Montverde, Indiana's in a really good position with him. He's number one on all these hot boards. He's the number seven prospect overall. So those numbers, seven, two, six, three, eleven, twelve, 11, 12, those are the rankings. So, you know, Ryan, as we look at recruiting, and again, you know, all that ultimately matters are commitments. But it's been a while since Indiana has had hot boards like this where you're getting official visits from this number of guys. And it is still meaningful to just put yourself in a position to get that many official visits from top prospects because that's kind of the pool that you're going after. So I think it's perfectly fair for IU fans to feel excited about the way that this is going because it's been a while since we've seen hot boards like this.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I as far as recruiting goes, I'm never... Don't get excited about it. It's exciting to, to think about this. It's it's like going to the, I mentioned the NFL draft a few times, but everyone gets excited going to the NFL draft and after and thinks they drag, had the best draft. Unless you're a Jets fan, you always think you had the best draft and your team's going to be amazing. You know, piecing these players together in certain combinations for the future is exciting and Indiana fans should
0: get excited about it. Don't tweet at recruits, but get excited about it. Okay. Um, is that still true? Yes. Aren't you, yeah, but shouldn't you tweet tweet like good stuff at them now cuz recruits like this? You okay. shouldn't tweet bad stuff at recruits. Here's here's what you should do. Like their stuff,
2: share their stuff and say that's cool. Hey, awesome. Wow. Keep yeah. working hard. Don't be like go to Indiana. Like he knows you want you, you want him to go to Indiana. In my opinion. That's my opinion. Uh, because what happens is you devolve from go to Indiana to if you don't go to Indiana, you suck. And that happens. Well, and so, yeah,
0: that's yes.
2: Don't know. Do <laughs> but it slowly devolves into that and people get way too invested. Um, if you have Indiana stuff in your profile, trust me, the kids know you're from Indiana. and know right. you want them to go. There. And so- also
0: real quick, real quick. And uh, Megan, maybe turn your volume down here for just a second. But if they say University of Indiana, let it go. Let it Just let it go. Don't let correct it. him. We got plenty of time to correct him. Let it go. This isn't the okay, movie. Okay, Megan, Kinsey. Megan, turn your turn your audio back up. This isn't the movie Kinsey where they were on campus
2: for months <laughs> and got it wrong in the credits. Okay, it's a kid who doesn't know any better. Um, he'll learn. He'll learn <laughs> yeah, once he's on learn. campus. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's fun and it and it's great that they're getting all these guys in. I think the rule to change to to allow junior year visits and senior year visits is really helping Indiana to get and, and to you know stop capping the amount of visits and all that stuff is. Is, uh, is a really good uh, uh, move for Indiana. Just get guys on campus. If you get people in Bloomington, get them in front of Mike Woodson, good things can happen.
0: Last question on this, Andy. Uh, if you could lock in a commitment from one guy on that list right now, who would you pick to be the first oh, domino to boy, fall? I- we're, we're giving you the, the option here.
3: Well, ideally, you'd give this to someone who knows a great deal more about any of these guys than I do. So, I, I'm not sure that I really feel. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that I really feel all that, uh, all, that, all that great about it. I think, from a what it would mean from an Indiana perspective, I think uh, Badunga would be one. Uh, you know, but I, I, I also look in. One of the guards becomes very important just because of what this roster is likely to need. Um, you know, you're going to lose X. Uh, now, who knows what what big guys you may lose? But um, I, I do think maybe one of the guards would be uh, important in that regard, just from a, a purely basketball perspective. From a bigger than basketball perspective, I think it's Baduño. But I think maybe getting one of the you know one of those top, top guards would do a lot for what the the product on the court would would look like as opposed to just kind of the perception within the state but again i i am hesitant to give it a name because i really have not watched i've seen badunga play a couple times but I, otherwise i haven't really seen a whole lot of anything from anybody else so don't uh know, yeah, don't don't necessarily feel like i should be granted such power in in this scenario
2: it's badunga top five player inside the state of indiana i don't know like i'm not one of those people as you have to recruit people from indiana but it, it you got to get him He's in your backyard. I think that's one you really have to
0: get. It's gonna be tough. Go for, I'd go for one of the guards. Give me Dylan Harper. If I get the choice, give me Dylan Harper or Fland or Mustaf. One of those guys.
2: I would take I would take Harper. I mean, obviously they're all great players. Yeah. I, I would take Padunga though. I, I just think top a f- top five player in your backyard, it sends a good message. Also, given the AAU implications of who he plays for and all
0: of that stuff, I think it's good to create connections there. We'll see. That one is uh, going to be a challenge, but we knew that it would be.
3: Good thing is they can just Always go recruit good. a whole bunch of guys when they go to Montverde at the same time where you can really from a you know, travel budgeting standpoint, really helps to be able to, uh, you know, hit, totally. hit the three to four guys that they're looking at. Just uh, added a walk on. from Montverde Yes, well. James Goodis.
0: Yeah, I forgot to put that on the run sheet. Uh, but yes, six one guard from Montverde was added as a walk on can't hurt <laughs> you know and Liam McNeely Derek Queen Indiana's still going after a lot of guys who are at Montverde so that is obviously a good thing to do all right coming up here on assembly call radio uh the guys are back on campus which is fun uh so we're going to begin our off-season player analysis with a young player poised to take on a more central role in his sophomore season that is Malik Renew. We'll talk about him next stick with us on call
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex.
0: All right, Andy, you were still a little bit choppy there at the end. A little um, bit. It got those worse. of you, those of you listening, is Andy's audio okay? They, it's like right on the border of. I think it. I think it's okay, but we'll just keep an eye on it. All right, sounds good. Um, all right, so we'll hop in here. Talk I'm going to grab some water. Do it. Yeah. Go ahead. You can start. Do it. Yeah, I will. Um, okay. Here we go.
1: Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three.
2: And I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosie.
0: Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Uh, And a couple quick notes. uh, Our friends at Doing the Work Uh, Recently did an interview with Chloe Moore McNeil. Uh, They also did a show a couple of days ago. So make sure that you are subscribed to them to stay up to date on everything going on with the IU women's basketball team. They also just got uh, a commitment. So just search for doing the work uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and you should find them. They have another episode coming up with Austin Render uh, next week, I believe. Uh, So keep your eyes out there. And then uh, last week when Tony Adranya, Coach Adranya, was on, uh, we talked about the new project that we're launching, uh, which is a premium email newsletter, uh, which is basically a way to take his IU Film Room content that has previously just been for community members and give folks another way to access that if they don't want the full community experience. You can sign up for the premium email newsletter uh, and start getting those emails every week. If you go to iufilmroom.com, that will take you to the page. Uh, And we currently have a launch discount, so you can lock in a 20% discount for the lifetime of your subscription uh, if you go there. Uh, That'll end sometime next week when the launch phase is over. Um, But go to iufilmroom.com, and you will get those. And if you have any questions about that, just send me a tweet, send me an email, uh, and we will help you out. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, the players are back on campus. As we said, we've, uh, you know, gotten to see a few highlight videos. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out Ryan is what you mentioned earlier about Gabe cups. Uh, you know, you know, had a really impressive performance on the bench. And I think Cliff Marshall's quote to him afterwards was you're ready for the big 10, uh, physically, um, which is good. And I think it's going to be, I think the he and X uh, are going to have a lot of really competitive battles in practice. X is going to take it to him because he's bigger and faster and more experienced. Uh, but I think uh, I think Gabe is going to be able to hold his own um, you know, and really uh, be an important piece for this team as, as soon as this year. And the fact that he's so ready physically is obviously going to help him with that. Uh, I've been hearing some good things about how CJ Gunn has been playing and shooting uh, in some of the early workouts, which is good. Anything before we dive into Malik, anything stand out to you guys from the videos, anything you're hearing about the workouts, uh, anything there? No, I mean, it just, it looked like uh, everybody was really excited to
2: actually be playing basketball after a lot of talk and, and uh, you know, I mean, we saw snippets, we didn't see a full workout. So a lot of guys who can really move and be interchangeable um, just from the, the brief view we got and uh, it just seems everybody's excited and that's the big thing.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, my biggest takeaway is I use not going to miss any shots uh, yes. and get lots every of offseason. Like that seemed like the way it was going. Now, I, I think the Cubs thing is uh, interesting. It comes from a good program uh, around the Dayton area in Ohio. And, um, you yeah, know, it certainly seems like a hard worker. Just just really opens the door to give every cliche about a white point guard that you could give at this point. So I think you just uh, really setting ourselves up nicely for that. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. You know, the other thing that happened this week uh, that we haven't discussed yet, uh, Malik Renu uh, did an interview with the Hoosier Hysterics, which I thought was really, really good. Um, and, you know, and I always enjoy those interviews, getting to hear from these guys and kind of their mindset. Uh, you know, and it's nice, you know, kind of thinking back, you know, we had a chance to talk to, you know, Malik and some of those guys at the beginning of last season, you know, and now hearing him talk, you know, this season and like most, you know, guys who were sophomores and have kind of been around, you know there's just they they sound more at ease much more comfortable with what they're doing um you know much more able i think to you know just really focus on you know improvement and being a leader on the team as opposed to when you're a freshman especially when you're from out of state just trying to get comfortable and acclimated um and everything's going fast and now you know Malik has gone through um you know all of that and you know he i think is a really interesting guy Andy In that, you know, he was obviously a very highly regarded recruit coming in a four star player, um, you know, ranked number 38 in his class by 247 and had some ups and downs as a freshman, which a lot of guys do, you know, came out of the gates, you know, like gangbusters had a huge game against Xavier, uh, then really struggled, you know, got called out by Mike Woodson for, you know, not playing hard enough. And then really seemed to kind of come into his own, you know, as the as the season went down the stretch. Wasn't always with points and necessarily statistical production, but you saw a better defense, a better ability to, you know, defend out in space, a slightly improved ability to not foul, although that's still going to be uh, a concern for him. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, Andy, uh, and get your thoughts on it too, Ryan, as you kind of look forward, um, you know, for Malik and what you expect from him as a sophomore, what are maybe some new things that you think you know he'll be able to show and the main areas of development, A, that Indiana needs him to show, and B, that you think he has the chops to actually do?
3: Yeah, like you said, it was a, a bit of a roller coaster. I think everybody left the first month of the season feeling awesome about what is this guy going to be by the end of the year, and that was kind of around when he started to dip a little bit um, there, I think kind of late November – into december uh, but did show some ability to bounce back i think um and i think that's a positive and, and still was able to contribute meaningfully by the end of the season and so while you know that overall growth curve may not have been what everybody hoped it would be within the season i still think you saw enough uh as you went through to 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 be excited about what he can do this year particularly with greater opportunity Yeah, I, I think the couple of things you look at one is the fouling um you know, it, it, every lineup that anybody's making, and you guys talked about this a lot last week, is penciling him into the – actually putting in pen him in the starting lineup, right? Yes. And it, that's great to be there, but you got to be able to keep, stay on the floor, and there were just times he, he struggled to do that. And I think that's where another offseason in the program and some of the other conditioning work and things like that put him in a better position to not make, you know, silly fouls that are just born out of, um, you know, whether it's fatigue or – um you know being overpowered physically or or the speed to you know get over in front of somebody and and some of those things so i think it feels like that should naturally help It, it didn't necessarily seem like he was reaching in and doing those things a lot it was just a lot of times being out of position or you could kind of tell he's going to get a foul here just based on how he was he was playing certain situations and i think the other one is he showed a little bit of inability to uh to step outside, maybe put the ball on the floor, hit a couple jump shots over the course of the season. Can he expand that part of his game? And can he, I feel like a lot of times when he wanted to put the ball on the floor, he was really overthinking. So sometimes that would lead to traveling. Sometimes that would lead to, well, I'm kind of shot faking, but I'm putting the ball on the floor at the same time. And I, you know, would, would kind of lead himself into turnovers uh, at times in that. But I do think he's got some ability to be a bit more versatile in that way. Um, and like I said, showed some ability to step out and knock down some shots. I think that's what you'll see from him more. You know, did most of his damage back to the basket, uh, or on, on putbacks, but I do think his offensive game can be a little bit more, uh, expanded than that. Um, you know, not necessarily out to the three point line, um, but being able to do some, you know, face up jump shots here and there.
0: Yeah, and you know, in the interview with the hysterics, he talked about how he's been working a lot, you know, with the guards and the wings to work on those perimeter skills. And I think Ryan, you know, as you look forward to next season, we've talked a lot since Mackenzie Mbako committed about the talent of the Mbako Renew Ware trio is undeniable. I mean, it's one of the most talented three, four, fives Indiana's ever had based on recruiting rankings. But they you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how it fits. And I think, you know, the fit part there is especially with Mbako, who I think some people think maybe he profiles a little better as a four early in his career. But when you look at just Renew and Ware, I think there's a chance for those two guys to be great together because of Ware's ability to step out, face the basket, not be anchored on the post like Trace was last year, which took away what Malik calls his bread and butter, you know, which is getting down on the block and, you know, being able to score and pass. And so the two of them together have a chance, I think, to really be a dynamic combination. Um, what are you, uh, I've got some in- numbers here that I want to talk about in a second, but what are you kind of looking for and expecting from Malik as a sophomore?
2: Look, I, I think he's going to be able to step out on the floor and make some shots. I mean, I'm expe- not expecting a 35% three-point shooter, but I think that he's going to be more versatile than what Trace was uh, from that perspective. He's not going to be the driver that Trace was because he's just not going to have the quickness. Right. Um, it's, a lot of it's going to depend on his body. What does he do this off season to get into shape? Um, because I think that I don't think he was out of shape last year. I just think there's a better way he could be molded. I don't think he was in peak physical condition. And that's the same as most kids coming out of high school. I think he was carrying a little bit of extra weight um, that he just never got into useful basketball weight. And that's again, not abnormal. Um, but if you look at Mbako and you look at where those guys are built And they're, you know, built in the right ways for basketball and, and they both need to add weight, but they're already built like basketball players where Renew was, was built a little bit bulkier. And so I think that's that's part of the reason
0: why the recruiting rankings were what they were, honestly.
2: Exactly. And, and that's the thing is if he can mold that and become a more athletic version of himself, which I think there's a better athlete in there, then you've got the ability to step out on the floor. And more importantly, guard on the floor and pick and roll which is going to be crucial to how much he plays and because you're going to have to switch in in mike Woodson's system you're going to be switching on to guards i don't have a pro i don't think Ware or Mbako are going to have a problem doing that i question how well renew is going to be able to do that next year um and it's and again because we haven't seen what he's going to look like you know but if it's the same guy you're going to have issues so his ability to go inside out i do think of the three he's the most pure back to the basket guy uh, but he's going to have to be able to step out if those pieces are all going to be interchangeable and i think it might be the kind of thing where where is listed as the center because he's the biggest guy and maybe defends the center uh but he actually plays more on the perimeter than than renew and renew is the back to the basket guy and he's such a confident finisher around the hoop i think he should be down there most of the time but again the ability to step out. And if a smaller guy is guarding where allow them to interchange or a smaller guy is guarding in Baco and allow them to exchange, throw it down in there where you have the advantage, but also then when the double comes, if Renu can knock down a shot or two or be a better driver. And as you said, not get excited and turn the ball over or travel or any of those things, it just makes you more versatile as a team. And that's, what everybody in this program seems to be aiming towards is just versatility, interchangeability, and the ability for everybody to do multiple things. If you look at the guys they're recruiting, it's, it's very obvious where this program wants to go. It's guys yes. who can do multiple things, not just a back-to-the-basket guy who can block shots, not just a guy who can stand outside and shoot threes and do really nothing else. It's, it's all you know, it's they're not You've trying to so build any
0: one dimensional players, yes. The last decade, and, and
2: look, you won in college basketball with one dimensional players in the 90s and early 2000s. You had your yeah. shooter, you had your driver, you had your post guy, you had your wing who could kind of do a little bit of everything. It, it, you know, I mean, it was it, you were built that way. That's not basketball anymore. Everybody can shoot, you know, everybody can play with the back to the basket if they've got a little size, everybody can drive like it's you're trying to get guys who can do multiple things. And so the more versatile you make yourself, the more you're going to fit in this program. Clearly that's yeah. what they're going for. We'll see if the offense adapts to that, which we're all hoping for, but it's clear they just want versatility. And so Malik Renu has got to make himself versatile.
0: Yeah. And and honestly, I think he is really the key to unlock some of that versatility for Indiana because he is undoubtedly one of Indiana's four or five best basketball players, right? Like he just, he can do a lot of things. And so he's going to get on the court. The key is, When Ware is out there, you know, okay, can Malik kind of slide between the four and the five, you know, depending on what they're doing? If Ware is out and Sparks is in, you know, Sparks isn't a guy who can go out and play the four. So can Ware play a little bit more four and help, you know, kind of space the court, do some high-low stuff with him. But that's the thing with Renew. We know that he can play on the block and be a good offensive five, you know, defend and rebound down there if he can now be a guy who can more confidently step out face the basket, put the ball on the court, you know, put the ball on the on the on, the, on the, you know, on the ground a little bit, um, you know, and then defend out there, that's going to be huge for Indiana. And I'll tell you, you know, one number that I think really kind of sums up Malik and why I really believe in him, you know, and I think there's a really good chance that, you know, we get to February and March and we look back and it's like, man, We should have seen this coming from Malik, like if he's a first or second team, all Big Ten player. I don't think that's crazy. I think that's the ceiling that he has. I don't know if he'll get there, but I think he's got that kind of ceiling. And one of the things that I love about him, and you don't often see this from freshmen, is he was a lot better last year against good competition than he was just generally. So his overall offensive rating was 101.8, which is fine. Like that's, you know, solid. It's slightly above average. Especially for a freshman in 16 games so it's not necessarily a small sample size in 16 games against tier a competition so indiana's 16 best opponents his offensive rating was 111.8 it was significantly higher you know and you think about i think a lot about the home game against purdue when and the one play that always sticks out in my mind in the second half when you know malik got the ball over on the left wing and he was just isolated against zach Eady. And you just saw his eyes get big. And he talked about this on the interview with the hysterics. He's like, Oh, I'm going to go score against this guy. And took the National Player of the Year on the block, gave him a little shimmy, had that beautiful little left hand hook. There's a fearlessness to him that I love. And just to give you a comparison on that, you know, Trace as a freshman, his overall offensive rating was 119.8. Um, but overall against tier A competition, it was 106.8. So and a lot of guys, you see that where freshmen will rack yeah, up obviously. big numbers against bad competition, but it's not quite as good against the better teams. If you want one number that kind of tells you what Malik Renu, you know is as a basketball player from a mental standpoint, especially, uh, I think it's that. And I think he's got a lot of skills that we haven't necessarily gotten a chance to see, but that will now get a chance to see more. Uh, you know, with Trace, you know, not just parked on the block and Malik, the clear number one option as a guy, you know, on the block that you're going to try and get the ball to.
2: Yeah. One thing on this, I, I think that what's interesting is you're right. Again, he was better against better competition. That also coincided them playing a really good stretch of games, a really tough stretch of games when he started to turn it around and he had that freshman wall he hit and that lull, it just happened to coincide with when they were playing good teams. Now, I don't know if the two things are related, like playing those teams just fired him up. I'm sure it did, but also he started to get out of that freshman lull right around the time Indiana was playing better competition. And so those two things went together and I, I hope it's the kind of thing where one caused the other. Um, but it could also be that just he got past his freshman wall at that point. But I you're right. That play against ED was amazing. Uh the, he he is fearless. He's absolutely fearless and the stretch where he was not playing well, you could tell he was overthinking and 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 fearful that he was going to make a mistake. And then when once he got past that, he was outstanding. In limited minutes of course because he was TJD's backup, but he was outstanding. He's also really coachable.
0: I think that's the other thing you like about him is he really seemed to respond to Mike Woodson being hard on him and calling him out comments, Yeah. and you know, in this day and age, how many guys rank that highly who have the ups and downs that he did and get called out by their coach in public? Stick around for another season, especially when they're far away from home. I mean, Malik. There are a lot of check boxes. Like if you were gonna, you know, talk about who you know is kind of a, a decent candidate to transfer, there are actually a lot of check boxes that you could have put next to Malik's name. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I could see it. And it, he didn't even waver. He didn't put his name in the portal. He didn't even think about it. You know. He, Definitely sounds like he loves Indiana, loves the coaching staff, uh, and so I think when you have that kind of buy-in, I mean, clearly the two leaders of this team are going to be X and Malik, and then also Trey. But you know, they're the two go-to guys and the guys who have been around. And when you have the kind of buy-in that you have from those guys, that's going to help the young guys, you know, kind of come around, um, which is which is excellent. Andy, a couple other numbers uh that I thought were interesting. You talk about the shooting. Uh, Malik shot 71.4% from the free throw line as a freshman. That's not great. Um, but for a guy of his size, it's pretty good. Uh, and it's the kind of number that suggests, you know, hey, there's a chance here. that This could be, you know, could become a guy who can step out and shoot. And he does have a nice soft touch. Uh, and that helps. Um and the uh, so you've got that from the free throw shooting perspective. And then, you know, his rebounding was outstanding. 11.4% in terms of offensive rebounding, 20% in terms of defensive rebounding. Both of those numbers were higher against Tier A competition than they were against others. Uh, and I think whereas rebounding was a real challenge last year, I think it's going to be a strength for the team this year. Um, you know, and so those numbers I think are good. The one number that I would like to see go up, you know, we talked about the fouls committed. The turnover rate of 23.2%, I'm not that concerned about that. He's a freshman big. That tends to happen. I think that number will come down as he just gets more confident and comfortable. But his free throw rate was only 39.4 in conference play. Th- free throw rate basically you know, kind of shows how often are you getting to the free throw line. That's a low number. It's actually lower than both Race Thompson, and you would expect it to be lower than Trace, but it was lower than Race. Part of that could just be being a freshman and not getting some of the calls, and maybe he'll get some of those. But ideally, you would like that number to be up in the high 40s or low 50s for a guy of his size, especially a good free throw shooter, because it'll make him more efficient. So, as you look at some of the numbers, you know, I think the you know the rebounding, uh, you know, the free throw shooting, that stuff to build on, and I think free throw rate, especially um, for him to kind of take that next step into being, you know, a, a truly, uh, you know, a really efficient post guy, that's a number that you'll want to see go up. And I think there's reasons to believe it can uh, as he. You know, just gets older and hopefully gets more respect.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of that ties back to you know kind of some of the comments we made earlier and in and, and in terms of how he scores. I mean, so much of what he did in the post was back to the basket hook shots. You're you're rarely gonna get unless a guy walks up under you when you're taking that shot, you're probably not gonna draw a ton of fouls that way. Versus, you know, Trace is getting fouled going to the basket on on you know rolls and and going on the move where he's able to do that. So if he's able to put the ball on the floor a little bit more maybe showcase some different things in the post where he's going up a little bit stronger instead of, of relying on that hook shot. I think you give yourself a chance to do that. If he's going to go out and try to score in the post the way they scored in the post last year, I think it's probably tough for that number to come up dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a more varied offensive game would almost naturally lead to, to more of that. But I agree with you. I mean, shot it well, um, only had yeah somewhat limited attempts overall, but even in big Ten play was like seventy seven seventy eight percent i think um from the free throw line when I just looked so he's definitely a guy you'd like to get to the line does have the nice soft touch, and that you know shows up really well in that hook shot but i I think um if he can show some different moves, get defenders off balance a little bit differently, then I think that opens the door for him to to draw a few more fouls and, and do things like that.
0: The other thing, Ryan, to watch, I think, especially early in the season, is how does Malik operate out of the pick and roll? He didn't play a ton in it last year because typically Indiana wanted it to be, you know, Jalen and Trace running the pick and roll. Indiana is going to run a lot of that this year with X because he's so good at it. You would think that Kellie Ware would be the top option because of his ability to pop, like he just gives you, uh, you know, another dimension in the pick and roll that Indiana hasn't had. But Malik is going to get his opportunities, and so I think that's going to be interesting to watch. How comfortable is he? Is he able to pop? Is he able to catch and move on those pocket passes as fluidly as Trace did? You know, those are just some things that we haven't seen from him, but I think, you know, and they may not be things that come until he's a junior or a senior, but to the extent that they can next year, that'll obviously help the offense a ton because he should have some opportunities, especially when he's on the court without Kalel to, you know, to be the guy who's there in the pick and roll with X.
2: Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, I, I just feel like the college game is going so heavily towards pick and roll right now, which is basically the default offense in the NBA. Um, and and I think that Indiana is going to run a ton of it. Indiana is going to defend a ton of it. And so, yeah, his versatility, his ability to move his feet, uh, roll to the, the quickness with which he can roll to the basket, the quickness with which he can pop, uh, the ability to pop and maybe make a shot or two and at least be a threat there um, is going to be huge. And, and, you know, Trace Jackson Davis couldn't pop and he could move to the free throw line that was about it and from the free throw line he was going to drive as opposed to have a back you know a a, a
0: face up dunk and you him. still couldn't stop him
2: still couldn't stop him. i mean that's what's remarkable man, i about feel like it. It his his
0: senior season is going to age like fine wine man i feel yeah. like we're going to be we're going to be like i don't think we'll be able to fully appreciate it until we get more fully removed i mean so so few dimensions in his game and you could not stop it could not stop it him. was incredible
2: i mean yeah and, uh, but yeah, so I'll say, I, I just think, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of athleticism, a lot of footwork. He had great footwork as a post player. And we noticed yes. that in high school, he had excellent footwork. Now he's got to get that down on the perimeter, rolling to the basket. Cause he will have to be used in that way.
0: Yep. All right. So final question here, Andy, give me, what are your expectations for Malik? You know, and kind of take this however you want. If you want to say like, Hey, I think he'll be honorable mention all big 10 or third team or. You know, he'll be the leading scorer, second leading scorer. Like, just when I say expectations from elite, kind of what's your gut reaction to what you think we'll get from him as a sophomore?
3: Uh, I think he would be, it feels like in all likelihood, he ends up being a top maybe three scorer on the team, I, I would I would imagine. Um, I, I think minutes played, quite honestly, is, you know, it, looking even at the percent of minutes played is, is going to be a huge a uh, huge factor with him. Like, can he stay on the court? Because if he stays on the court, he's going to be productive. Uh, he showed that last year in limited minutes. And, and so, you know, it, it's a, can he play 70% of the available minutes? Can he play 65% of the available minutes? I think that is going to go a long way toward telling the story of of how successful he can be. In terms of where he fits in the pecking order of some of the Big Ten awards and things like that, I, you know, I, I struggle to, I think maybe the honorable mention that, that you threw out is, is plausible. I, I don't know that he, that he becomes such a featured part of the offense in a way that he earns his way onto one of those, you know, kind of top 15 player spots there that just feels somewhat unlikely. But, um, but I think to me, it's really just kind of continuing to, to evolve showing different ways to score. But I think he's, he, essentially has to be a double digit scorer for this team. And I think being able to get in the neighborhood of eight rebounds a game uh, is key. And, and if he's able to do both those things, odds are he's staying on the court for a good chunk of the minutes and, um, and doing those kinds of things. I, I think to me, you know, that's what I look for. You're trying to project out what his growth will be over the course of, you know, whatever, however long his, his IU career ends up being. Um, but I think he, he needs to take a fairly big leap from where he was last year. But again, a lot of that to me is just based on being able to be on the court more.
0: Yeah, let me moderate my statement from earlier. I don't necessarily think he has first or second team all Big Ten potential this season. I think that seems probably unlikely, just given the malice defeat Indiana has with Mbako and where and how some of that production will be kind of spread evenly. I do think he has that potential as an upperclassman especially as he's, you know, more featured and and gets more comfortable and is able to stay on the court more. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of leap, um, he can make as a sophomore, Ryan, what are your expectations for Malik's sophomore season?
2: Yeah. Top three in points. I think, uh, between six and eight rebounds a game would make, would make sense, uh, given his ability there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's hard to project because we, we really don't know how all these pieces are going to fit together at all and what form they're going to take. It's not like projecting yeah. Trace going into his senior season, you know, where I mean, you knew what his role was and knew what he was going to be. We're talking about a guy who was a bench player who played sparingly, had plenty of talent, but essentially played sparingly, and we're expecting to figure out what he's going to be. I, I don't think Malik knows what he's going to be yet, and I think it's going to take a lot of workout time and all this, but I think we're going to see a lot more three-pointers from him Uh, next year I think that's a big thing and and you know if it's if it's 40 that's a lot more um so yeah I I I just think that's going to be the case I think we're going to see a more versatile guy and I think he'll be in the top three uh scores on the team and I do think he'll be the lead post guy the lead
0: back to the basket more post guy how much would you pay to see a rebounding drill in practice between Malik and Peyton Sparks I think that would be incredible. Price of admission to a game, yeah. yeah. Oh man, that would be great. Um, yeah, look, I think Malik is is. He's that's just another factor, an- though. You know, that's another factor
2: is how much is he going to play with guy. You know, a guy like Peyton Sparks being able to eat some minutes, and you know, other guys, these other guys coming in, like you said, they're going to be mouths defeat. And and I'm not saying Peyton Sparks is going to take his spot. I'm saying just, you know, if you can keep him fresh, if you can keep. Uh, malik fresh by playing him 25 minutes a game instead of 33 you know are you going to do that i mean sparks has shown he can play at the college level i mean he's not a starter in the big 10 but Sparks he can eat, is going to make
0: it. an impact man don't sleep i think on so sparks.
2: too i think so too
0: don't this is not this him.
2: is not michael durr where he's going to have one no. or two games where he, where he impacts it i think he's a, no, he's he, a real player
0: yep spark you know i, I think you're right he's going to be able to help keep malik fresh but Sparks is also going to be there for the games when Malik maybe still struggles with foul trouble. Yeah. Don't, you don't go from six point eight fouls per forty minutes and just immediately clean that up the next season, unless you're Zach Eady and refs just start, you know, start swallowing their whistle or the defense just basically puts you in a place where you're never touching anybody, which is kind of how Purdue defended last year. So you know, most guys, it's kind of a gradual thing, and so it's big for Malik. But if he can do it, he'll stay on the court. If he stays on the court with the opportunities he should get. I think it's fair to be pretty bullish about what he can do uh, as a sophomore because a recruit in his spot, you kind of want the production that you got as a freshman. He had some big games, had some ups and downs, but, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, for his final production was solid. And then you expect those guys to make a leap in their second season. Uh, And so I think that's what we're expecting from Malik. And now we'll see what it looks like once uh, once the season starts. All right. Coming up on Assembly Call Radio, it is mailbag time. Uh, we got a few good questions. We will get to those next, so stick with us here on the Assembly Call, and we'll do that.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: All right. You guys ready to hop right into these questions? Just
1: let's just roll. Let's roll.
0: (laughs) That's fine with me. Let's do it. Here we go.
2: Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers.
0: Thank you, Romeo. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Uh, we just got done talking about Malik Renew, and Now it's time to hop into the mailbag. Most of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. You can learn more about that and join us at assemblycall.com community got a few people joining each week, uh, even here in the off season, because uh, the conversations don't slow down. There's always something to discuss. So join us there, assemblycall.com community. All right, guys, let's hop into the questions. Uh, as you might imagine, there were several questions that were essentially of the same flavor. Uh, JD, Jim Tom Hoosier, others. What is Indiana going to do with the final scholarship? Uh, We talked about Mongolian Mike from Dayton on last week's episode. He's going in another direction. Uh, Antonio Reeves from Kentucky. People have speculated about him potentially trying to be a grad transfer. You hear a lot about Michigan and Memphis and some other schools, Although I'm sure Indiana will try. Uh, Joey Hart is a guy that did an official visit. A lot of the signs are pointing to Kentucky, although it does seem like Indiana might have a chance there, um, you know, if if, uh, Kentucky doesn't pursue real hard. So those are some of the names we've heard. None of those irons seem very hot. Uh, and so, right now, Ryan, it you know seems like they're rolling you know into workouts with twelve scholarships. I think they'll pounce on opportunities when they come, but there is i guess the way I would frame it is there's nothing out there right now that I'm particularly holding my breath for
2: yeah i I mean there's nothing imminent, I would say unless there's some secret there's back stuff, channel but, stuff happening. yeah it's stuff going on so I, I would say as of now expect to roll with this roster unless someone else shakes loose um, and decides to do a grad transfer because I don't think they get the they can't enter the portal any bread the undergrads can't
0: enter the polar portal no guys lovely. who are in yeah, only there's still some guys who only entered that haven't committed but it,
2: yeah guys I, who are
3: in there and grad transfers is it
0: yeah
2: yep. and grad transfers can go at any time so um mm-hmm. yeah I I I, yeah, I would expect to. We're gonna go as uh, as 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 we are right now and see what happens moving forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels at this point, if for no other reason than we're into June right now, you know, it, it becomes a little bit. Not that you can't get guys on campus this late, but you've already started your off season program. You've started some of these other things. I think it'd have to be really compelling, and by really compelling, I mean a knockdown shooter. Um, for for something really to happen, I, I think. Um, I, yeah, I I would say it feels right now more likely than not that they don't fill it. Yeah. Um, but you know, certainly keeping our options open as you said. But I think it's a to me, it's the shooting is the specific skill set of what you would really look for because that's what you're at least at this point unsure of of what you have. And I think you're also looking ahead to the, you know, the upcoming classes as we talked about earlier, and you know, wanting to to make sure one that you've got scholarships available for those guys, but two, in some ways that you don't do something that may block one of those guys from coming just on a whim that you went out and said, oh, I've got this. Let's just throw the scholarship at this guy. Um, Not necessarily saying that would happen, but I, I think you are having to be conscious of those kinds of decisions and what that might look like to some of the guys that you're trying to, to recruit um, and things like that. And, and I think you would want to be able to give those guys playing time. They're all, as you said, the rankings, of those guys are, are toward the top. So you would want to be able to not put yourself in a position where you've got this log jam at different positions. So I think they're in a spot to be selective and it seems like that's what they're doing. And we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. I mean, a guy like Antonio Reeves would make some sense because he's produced at a high level and you could see, you know, kind of putting him in at shooting guard. Joey Hart doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, he was a 40 plus percent, you know, three point shooter in high school. But, you know, we know a lot of guys struggle with that transition and you've already got CJ gun that you're hoping can bounce back and be that shooter. So if it's a, like a clear impact guy, fine. If not, it's not the worst thing in college basketball these days to have an open scholarship, to be able to pounce on opportunities. And Andy, like you said, to be able to set yourself up, you know, to not have any extenuating circumstances blocking anybody in 2024 20, and 25. So I agree. Sure. I tend to think they'll enter the season with 12 unless just an incredible opportunity comes comes about. Uh, from Phil, video of Peyton Sparks killing the bench press uh, with the number three all-time repetitions was not surprising. Gabe Cups doing 18 reps of 185 pounds was have we overlooked Gabe's impact this year because he committed to our ball club so long ago? What do you think, Ryan?
2: No, I mean, I think we've kind of expected that he'll be the secondary ball handler um, as far as shooting and things like that. Uh, we don't know what he's going to look like because you never know what freshmen are going to look like. So I think being cautiously optimistic on his ability to come in and be the secondary ball handler and maybe build his way into taking X's job next year uh is, you know, I think that's positive. I don't I don't think we've we've been negative on his potential impact. He's gonna have to and, and they have not brought in another ball handler, so he's gonna have to do it. Because God love Trey Galloway, he did it some this past season. That's not what he's there for. You know, I mean he can do it in a pinch, but that's not his strength. You want him uh, as a secondary yes ball handler, You want him as the, the outlet option for the point guard. Yes. You don't want him as the guy who's forced to bring it up so uh it's something it's
0: like trey, last year when Jalen would not... get two fouls and you just have to white knuckle it for five minutes with trey yes, and Tamar, exactly the ball handlers and that's yeah. not what they do you know
2: no and you just hope them <laughs> when tjd got a rebound he took it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> just go, no just go trey just just, yeah. just go trace just go um <laughs> no i uh so i don't think we've been downplaying it it's just how much do you rely on a on a freshman who's I, did he finish top one hundred? I mean, he was at the back end of the top one hundred. I think. Depending on where you looked. I think. Yeah, I think he was anywhere so between he,
0: ninety and one ten.
2: Yeah, so around a hundred, top one hundred recruit. I mean, how often do those guys come in and make a huge, huge, huge game changing impact? It's rare. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's just rare. And so it's like where
0: Finney was as a recruit.
2: Yeah, and so what you do, and I th- I think Cups is going to be better than Finney. But
0: what maybe you, not right away, Phenasy was great his first eight games. Yeah, and then struggled. But yeah.
2: But what I would say about him is that I think what you're banking on there is a guy to come in and be a really good freshman. And and he knows how to play the game. We know Gabe Cubs knows how to play the game. Yeah, he had a big bench press, but he's also kind of slight. He's going to have to be stronger. And 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 that's a great sign. But he's going to have to build some strength because Michigan State is going to manhandle him. You know, it's going to, you know, guys like that are going to be physical with him. You saw what happened to Purdue's freshman guards when people started being physical with them, Purdue started losing games because you push those guys around, you bump them off screens, you do things like that. It makes them uncomfortable. So that that's the, the peril of relying so much on a freshman. And so I think that's why we've talked about his impact being he's a freshman who's going to come in and handle the ball, maybe make some shots, whatever, but expecting him to be a superstar right away is a fall.
0: Well, no. And you're not expecting yeah. him to be Braden Smith either. Cause you have Xavier no. Johnson. Like, I think I put this question out in the community, like, how many minutes do you think Gabe will play? And my, because we talked about this last week, my answer is right around 25%. Like he's going to play because he's going to back up X, you know, and there's go- there will be times probably where he plays with X when they want, you know, two ball handlers out there on the court. So I think anywhere between 20 and 30% somewhere in there um, is where he'll play. And that's really good for a freshman. That's where you want a freshman to be. Cause you're not relying on him for the bulk of the minutes, but you know, you know, he can step in in a pinch and, and be solid.
3: Um, Yeah, that that feels, yeah, minutes-wise, I mean, mean, that feels about right. If you you think about how Woodson has tended to sub, he's going to ride the starters for a little while, then he's going to have to take X out at some point, kind of the middle of each half, and you give Cups, you know, five, six, seven minutes in the middle, bring X back in, again, assuming no foul trouble and things like that, and and give him a chance to do it. I I think he's going to do a lot of things that, that IU fans will get excited about, watched him play a little bit in high school, Um, and so I think he's got a really good foundation fundamentally and as a, as a leader, uh, and those things. And I think the fact that he's starting maybe further down the development curve from a strength perspective than other freshmen might be sets him up better. Uh, it's certainly not a bad thing to be doing that. I mean, obviously he's never going to make a jump shot, you know, with being able to do that many reps, but um you know otherwise <laughs> otherwise you know uh but anyway i i do think um i think it's a positive that he's already there from a strength perspective and then they could work with him on the other things some of the you know lateral quickness and things that are going to be important and and continue to build strength on him that he's going to need as you said ryan to to face some of these guys but um you know certainly if if you might normally expect the freshman to be where he is from a you know weightlifting and physical standpoint in August, and he's already there in July, then all the better.
0: Yeah, he's got a really good pull-up mid-range game too.
3: So you could see them maybe
0: put him in some of the zoom actions they used with Jalen last year to create some space, kind of in the mid-range. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know how they use him and what he's ready to do. I would definitely temper my expectations as a scorer. I don't think he's going to score a ton, um, but I think he'll be a guy who can you know defend adequately. And just get the, the ball where it needs to go uh, with all the talent that will be around him when he's in the lineup. So very excited about Gabe, certainly for the long term, uh, just to bring stability to the backcourt, um, but also for what he can do this year. All right, let's rapid fire a few final questions here uh, from Andrew. How much trouble is Coach Cal actually in with only seven scholarship players for next year? How far are we from the end of the Cal era? Ryan, thoughts on yeah. uh, on Coach Cal in Kentucky? Yeah. He'll be
2: done in Kentucky when he wants to be done in Kentucky. Um, I don't. I don't think. We're, yeah, I don't know,
3: I don't man. Think I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as sure, sure that on I agree that as I now. probably would have been even a year ago.
2: No, I don't uh, think they're going to fire him anytime soon. Um,
0: they may agree to a yeah.
2: There's something. Maybe he goes and takes an NBA job or something like that. But I, I think he's going to dictate that. I, I really. I think Kentucky's just gone all in on him, and they're kind of stuck with what they got. I mean, his contract is pretty insane and i don't think they're just gonna fire him i mean I, I i that i don't see a firing ever coming because of how much they owe they would owe him which i don't know the exact numbers but he's essentially got can be there as long as he wants under the contract so they would build as a
0: lifetime contract, which basically yes. just means it has a massive buyout
2: <laughs> yes and they would owe him so much it would hinder the next move they could make and they want a top coach so I think if there was some kind of agreement between them to separate, where they didn't have to pay, I, he won't get fired, quote unquote. Yes. I don't think that will never happen because of the deal. But but that's just yeah, maybe, a couple, to a maybe right? But you know he'd have to he'd be in control of negotiating what happens, though. Let's be real, and it would be interesting to see if he went somewhere else. I think that. Um, his brand fits very well at kentucky and that's not a knock on it i think that you know high profile players playing an up-temple style of basketball that fits kentucky fits what kentucky's always had so it's a unique fit and i'm not sure who would take that on
0: um but he's cowardly doesn't want to come and do a home and home in bloomington that fits kentucky's ethos so yeah i mean it's keep him there I I uh, i was
2: i was going to be kind but, um, no, Why? but I think this is an Indiana podcast. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> it was a joke, Jared. Um, no, I would, uh, I hate those guys <laughs> as much as anybody. Uh, but I, I could see him, you know, giving NBA another shot somewhere, you know, like Charlotte or, or something like that, you know, that has some younger players that he's good with, you know, he's obviously been good with, with molding. So, um, That's just throwing that out as an example. I, you know, any team with a lot of young players, I think he'd be pretty, he'd be desirable for instead of you know grabbing an assistant from somewhere else. But again, he's got it's going to be when he wants to leave. I mean, he's going to control when he leaves. They they will not fire him straight uh, outright.
3: I, I think based on those words, they probably won't fire him. But I do think people from a fan's perspective. Oh, they're getting uh, tired. Are are souring on him mm-hmm. in a pretty rapid way. And I think it was an acquired taste initially just because so used to, you know, getting used to the whole one and done aspect. And I think people got used to that and could live with it when they were winning at a high level and things like that. But that really has ceased as he's struggled to to figure out roster building in modern college basketball. And, and he, the pendulum it, swings it so far NIL. the other way where he's got, you know, this year their class is great, and then literally that's all they have. Oh. Um, and, and They have no and juniors so, and he,
0: seniors on the roster.
3: But then they that's went crazy. some transfer routes, and then I think locked themselves into having to play some of those guys, and that led to, uh, led to some challenges. And, and it's funny, I think it was the CBS podcast, I, I, it might have been a different one that, that I listened to, but was talking a lot about man, with all the money related to basketball at Kentucky in the NIL era, who would have thought that you wouldn't be able to keep you know players who are not shoe-ins to be drafted high uh in the nba draft and and i think that you know certainly played out a couple times this year i think if that becomes a pattern then it says something a little greater about the overall state of where things sit it's a football
0: school challenges of being a coach at a football school so sorry john (laughs) Uh, all right, over to Jared. You know, really, this should be a question for Coach Tonsoni because he knows the answer to this. But the question is, why are so many national media hyping up Illinois? I know they got players back, but does older always mean better? Especially since the team had struggles all of last year. I feel like Wisconsin or Maryland should be getting more attention than Illinois. Coach's answer, would course, would be would be about the sublime coaching uh, of Illinois. Um, look, Illinois does have a lot of talent. Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins are back. Those are two proven guys who have done stuff in the Big Ten. And so in an age when there's so much flux, when you see two guys of that caliber back, along with Dane Danger, who I think, you know, obviously has some matchup problems, but is still a pretty talented player. Like, Illinois has got some guys. The question is, it, you know, it's the question they didn't answer last year, is what kind of guard play did they get? You know, is Dre Gibbs long, Longhorn, Lawhorn, um, you know, is he ready to step in right away? Who do they have to be that lead guard? Um, Because they've got some of the other pieces, but that's kind of the big question about them. And to me, you know, Ryan, you kind of alluded to this earlier. It's Michigan State and Purdue at the top. They have the fewest question marks of anybody in terms of the regular season, if you're just handicapping the Big Ten regular season. And then you've got Indiana, Illinois, Maryland, Ohio State, probably throw Rutgers in there, throw Illinois in there. Teams that have talent and have dudes, but also have a lot of new pieces or have question marks, it's kind of hard to parse those teams so where do you fall on illinois like i don't buy them as a top 25 team where a lot of people have them i would not trade rosters because i think the presence of x you know helps stabilize us at a really important position so i agree with the premise of this question i think indiana should be higher than illinois but what are you what are your thoughts on illinois and are you buying some of the preseason hype it seems to be an annual thing with them I mean, bringing
2: guys back tends to be a good thing in college basketball if they've played together before. But I'm not putting them at the top of the Big Ten uh, or in that top group yet um, because they didn't impress me last year. They were talented and they didn't impress me. And you saw some really nice games from them, but it was more average than good uh, on the whole. And so, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm very much improvement mode with that with that group of players. Um, you know, why it,
0: do you think they get the hype though? Which is the original question.
2: Well, I think there's talent there. I think there's a lot of talent there. I mean, you know, a lot of those guys have high-end talent, but they didn't play well together. And and they I think they didn't that,
0: have the lead guard to put it all together.
2: Yeah, and and they also just didn't have a cohesiveness. It felt like a lot of individual play. Um, and they were up tempo and things like that, but I just felt like they weren't connected. There was yeah. something missing. And you're right, maybe it was the high-level guard. Um, but also it just felt like a lot of individual talent as opposed to a, a group playing well together. And, and I'll say this, you know, we re, we, we, we love to take shots at Purdue, but when Purdue was winning early in the season, that team played like a team, they had one central guy, but those guys all played very well together. Then people got physical Absolutely. with them, figured out something on ED and were able to kind of break it up a little bit. Illinois never looked like that you know indiana looked like that at times yeah, a well-oiled machine that all fit together pretty well you know when cop when was hitting shots and you had trey galloway would have his good games where he was driving and, and stuff those were like the two x factors for me for indiana all year was if Jalen was hitting his shots if cop was hitting his shots and gallows was, was driving well you got indiana playing like a unit i never saw illinois play really well together so i don't get it um but there's talent there, and Underwood has done good things there at times. So I get why people are hyping. Oh, they're bringing back all these guys; they should be good. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't buy it yet. I'm in wait and see mode.
0: Can you? Any? What are your thoughts on that? And do you? How would you rate Illinois and Indiana just based on what you know of those two teams? I can't make an argument. For, I mean, it's close. I, you know, I get that, but. Yeah.
3: Um, I think you probably have in Shannon and Hawkins, even though he's a bit erratic for for me at times and some of the decision making is questionable and even danger, I think you've got a few guys who you have a pretty good idea of what you could expect from. maybe maybe more guys you know what you can expect from than IU because um, the list of guys you really know what you're gonna get from at, in there in what projects to be their roles at this point for IU is is pretty short. Um, so I guess if you were gonna make an argument that's probably what I would say. I, I think what you look at though, and I was just looking at a site that had put together, you know, kind of a rundown of their roster. Like they have a a bunch of transfers again. Um, they don't have a clear point guard option, although they brought in somebody I think that was at Iowa State that maybe played at Temple before that. If I was reading through some of the stuff correctly, and and so I don't think if that was one of your bigger question marks, I'm not really sure that is answered at all. Uh, and we know how important that can be. And I think he's putting himself in a position where. You know, he's got to integrate a bunch of different pieces while still trying to develop some of the young guys. Like, a, you know, does a sincere carry who had moments last year, does he just kind of get thrown by the wayside? I even thought Epps, who transferred there, I thought he showed some, showed some promise as well. You know, he's gone now. So, like, what are you really building toward? Although I guess it's not ultimately the question for this year. But I think he's going to struggle a little bit the same way of how do you divide this up? You've got some of these guys coming in who think they're going to compete for minutes. There's not going to be as many minutes to go around as you might think there would be um, whether that's between the returning players, uh, some of whom are, you know, risers in your, in your program supposedly, but then you've got some other guys um, coming in from, I think there's one from Oregon. There's one that transferred from somewhere else in the Missouri Valley. Who's kind of taking a step up in competition that played well, like where are those guys getting minutes and shots when you're committing a ton to danger Hawkins and Shannon right out of the gate? Um, so how do you figure out how to, you know, divvy out the rest of those minutes? So I think that ultimately is a challenge. And I think that was a challenge they never really were able to figure out a year ago. And part of that, you can blame on point guard play and you couldn't get roles solidified. Well, I'm not sure how that part of it exactly changes this year. Um, but I do think it's close. And like I said, if you want to look at proven production, it's probably more proven production on Illinois than there is IU. There's potentially more upside in a Vision to see how roles might shake out at IU than maybe what you see at Illinois at this point, but maybe no, it's easy for us to say that because we're a little bit closer to at least you know what we think those roles will be.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. That is the argument for Illinois. And the thing with Indiana is the two biggest question marks are Mackenzie Mbaco and, and Khalil Ware, who, if things go well, could both be lottery picks next season. That's not an outlander statement. They both have that kind of talent. Now, does it happen? We have no idea. We'll see. But that's why Indiana definitely has it's Indiana clearly has the best ceiling of any of the teams outside of Michigan State and Purdue. But they also have a lot more unproven production. It just so happens to be from highly ranked guys. And you know, you'd certainly rather have your unproven guys be five stars than three stars that you're hoping to outplay the ranking. Uh, okay, last ones. Rob asked about Simeon Wilcher. He's the guard who was McKenzie and Baco's teammate in high school. Originally committed to North Carolina, decommitted. I know someone tweeted earlier to say that Indiana had reached out, which everybody expected. A lot of the signs there are pointing to St. John's. So I would not get too excited about that one unless, you know, something else develops. And last question here from IU grad Mark. This so really be more of a preview of a future episode that we will do. He said, It seems like Caleb Banks is the forgotten man on the team so far. At the end of last year, he was getting important minutes. Haven't heard anything about him this offseason. Don't even see him in the photos for workouts Any word on his status, expectations for the season? Well, he's definitely there. He's going through everything. Uh, He was, when Malik Renu was doing his interview with the Hoosier Hysterics, Banks was there in the background. I think he was playing music that was distracting people. Um, But Caleb is definitely there. I think there are a lot of reasons to be bullish on him. We will be doing a full episode on him coming up later this offseason. Ryan, your quick thoughts on Caleb Banks, you know, and just kind of what you expect from him this year.
2: I mean, I think it'll have an impact, but he's got to be able to shoot the ball um i think he and cj gunn both have to shoot the ball um because he's not going to be a six eight post guy he's going to be playing on the wing out on the perimeter maybe as a four um but he's got to be able to shoot the ball he's got to be stronger at
0: the four with this lineup with agree this so
2: yeah. four three four and he's got to be able to shoot the ball off the he's going to be coming off the bench he's got to be able to shoot the ball he's got to be able to rebound he's got to be able to bang in the big 10 i mean he's got to put some you know get stronger uh, i love his energy and um so yeah, if he defends and can shoot, I think he's gonna be fine. He'll he'll get minutes.
0: Andy, quick thoughts on yeah, Caleb? I mean,
3: I, yeah, I'll kind of lump together both he and CJ Gunn because I think they're two, you know, the other members of the sophomore class outside of Malik Renew that we talked about tonight, uh, will go a long way toward whether this team gets close to the ceiling that you talked about. Um, I think there's opportunities for both of them to carve out roles, probably gunn could carve out a bigger role than banks. At least it feels like right now, if things go, uh, he has a clear path want. for sure. But both guys, what they showed in, in their time last year was a lot of energy. And I think that's what you want to see. And that was, you know, as a freshman, that's your road to get on the court. Um, and I think being able to come in, play with that energy and aggressiveness, banks made some good plays. And I think it was the Ohio state game. I, I want to say yes. where he really, really came in and was active and and did some things there just you know but most of his scoring was in those kinds of like scramble situations or rebounds or different things like that can he find a a way to be a part of the actual you know flow of the offense as opposed to what was there before but uh you know a lot of tools to really like from an athleticism standpoint so um i think both those guys are exciting and and boy if you're an iu fan that that hopes for good things this season the the trio of sophomores uh is, is going to be a huge, huge, huge factor in that. And shooting uh, with Banks and Gunn is, as, as Ryan said, really the, the key to unlocking things from from their standpoint. Huge.
0: Malik, CJ, and Caleb Banks are the foundation for this program moving forward, along with you know, Trey Galloway, who we should get at least one more year out of. So those guys need to develop. They can carve out big roles for this season, but obviously we need to you know, want to see them develop um, you know, to see what they can be as upperclassmen. But yeah, all those guys are important for this year too. All right. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you to everybody who's here live. That's going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next Thursday. Until then.
1: Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.
2: All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
1: San Diego chicken.
2: Thank you. Thanks for coming out.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.